A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing Podcast. I'm Andy White and I'm joined today by Lisa Mandel, Business Director at Quill. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Andy. Just to let all our listeners know, I am on the payroll at Quill. I am on the team, as it were. Today we're talking about brands becoming better publishers. Lisa, first and foremost, what changes have occurred in the sort of digital landscape to make it so important that brands become publishers? The way the market has changed in the last few years is that there's been this increasing demand for digital content that's come from a, a couple of different drivers. On one side, it's just become increasingly competitive for brands to reach, acquire, and engage customers online. Uh, one of the significant drivers of that is how do you make sure that you reach someone? And, and whether we like it or not, Google is still the main driver of traffic via search. And actually, you want to be able to increase your organic traffic because paid search is becoming more competitive and becoming more expensive year on year, especially on your high-value brand and and long-tail terms. So they made massive changes to their algorithms. The first, all black and white creatures. First was the panda, then the penguin, and now it's been hummingbird as well. But, I've never realised that, least until you said it. They are all black and white creatures, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, Revelation. They <laughs> I know. And um, they keep it amusing and keep us on our toes, Google. But, I, you know, what, what they do say, clearly, in black and white, <laughs> is their, on their webmaster tools that to help support your visibility and exposure, you will, you know, if you have fresh quality content, you know, they will... They're looking for that. They want to make sure that they deliver their customers the best user experience, and they want to make sure that websites are delivering that best user experience, and that is, is that experience of content, and actually engaging with the content as well. They're looking for those social engagement uh, to be able to make sure that you are getting exposure through Google. The second is actually when you acquire a customer and they come to your site, brilliant, they're there, but how do you then frame that sale for them because customers have a massive paradox of choice. You can literally, you've got about 10 seconds of their time, if that, and then they're going to go somewhere else. So if you go to a website and you're looking for a uh, a barbecue, say, and you get to the site and you're looking for this barbecue and actually all you can see is a barbecue and it tells you nothing about that product, why it's so fabulous, it doesn't tell you about its, its 
cat and cooking power, all these things that my husband would know, and I and I have no idea because he's so good at the barbecue. <laughs> is uh, is that actually you'll then just leave and go somewhere that can tell you about that product? And really, we need to have a story behind the product and actually answer answer these users' questions because if they're they're looking for things, answer those questions so you won't lose them. And you know, obviously, we'd like them to, to buy your product. And then the third thing is. They've bought your product, they've become your customer, they should be your most important person, an existing customer. How do you then build brand loyalty? How do you keep that conversation going with them? And, you know, social media, um, you know, people just reuse it for things like offers and tools and, and, and competitions, but actually... It's a great channel to help you fuel that conversation with them there. And actually, content is a key driver to help you keep that conversation meaningful and helpful um, and maybe inspiring, inspiring or enabling, like Nike does, that Nike helps support its, uh, its customers by giving them tools and, and tips to be able to go out running or play a game of football or mm. keep healthy, etc. So the world has has changed and, and content is now becoming a, a key responsibility for brands to have to do. Lisa, what do you see as the challenges that brands face as they try to sort of evolve into publishers? So some of the challenges they find is that it's actually, it's not natural to what they do on a day-to-day basis. So generally brands, you know, they either sell fashion goods, so they could be selling shoes, they could be selling holidays, they could be selling insurance products. You know, content is not something that is natural for them. They might they might have excellent people that work part of their team, but what they do on a day-to-day is selling, is selling a specific product or, or uh, helping that brand evolve. And, and actually, now them having to become publishers is a different model for them because they need to think about how they produce content which reflects their brand, which has to be great quality. It has to be in line with what their target audience, you know, how it will resonate with them. It needs to be the right format for them, where their audience are in the right channel, potentially in the, in the right languages. Mm. So, and they've also got to be always on. It's, you know, there's, like publishers, you've got to be responsive to things that happen in, in the news and happen in the market. They need to show that they are thinking about their customers all the time and, and, and having a voice so that they can engage and resonate with those customers. And, and that's incredibly challenging because it's very new, actually, and people haven't thought about that. It's very dynamic, isn't it, and on the ball? Yeah, it's incredibly dynamic, uh, agile, some might say. Yeah, it's definitely challenging for them. And, and also, if you think about it, a lot of brands, they're not just online, they're offline as well. And now you've got to think about both cases of how do you make sure that you engage with them in that in that way and we work with a lot of financial service and insurance clients and part of their challenge is okay we, you know we're experts around our specific product but actually it's very technical information and the way that we're presenting it at the moment to clients is not being able to then they're not you know they're, they're finding that it's just it's jargon and how do they make sure that they they adjust that content into that right format and the right tone to be as helpful as possible. And, you know, these brands want to speak in the same language as their customers. So what we try and do at Fur is really help them craft and identify that language and make sure that they can produce content, which is right for the audience mm. and, and also right for the brand, because it has to be in line with what their objectives are. Are they trying to enhance their brand? Are they trying to enhance their 
uh, enhanced revenues and, and leads and conversions or enhanced user engagement and then plan what they need to create based on that and then find out and get responses and feedback from customers to see what they're engaging with. You know, whether that's monitoring their analytics online to see what kind of dwell time um, and time of site they're having around that, what content potentially supports a sale. That's really important for, for brands when they're planning content and they're planning that strategy is to have those factors in mind because it's not just about creating content for the sake of it. Not, I wouldn't say not content marketing. It feels like a new thing, but it's always had an enforcement role, whether it's online or offline. Yes. But yes. now it's not just having a content strategy for the sake of it. It's about having a content strategy that has an objective that can help them measure the effectiveness of that strategy, like you do with any marketing strategy, and, and, and put a return of investment number on it and, and work out how helping you meet that. And we're working with clients, but you know, people in the industry are finding that it, it is having great returns and it is actually having much better returns than traditional traditional advertising, banner advertising, um, and paid searches. We're not saying it should replace completely but it's just as another alternative to, to finding that you'll reach, acquire, and engage a customer. These companies you just spoke about, how do they scale? I mean, they're, they're, they're evolving into publishers, but how do they scale across all these different sort of um, channels, if you like? So it is definitely challenging for them to scale because if you've got to think about the number of formats and the number of potential markets they're in and the number of topics they might cover, we work with a, a retailer that covers home and garden, DIY, fashion, electronics, etc. Um, we found that what we've done to support our clients scale their content production capabilities, we've built our own in-house factory technology, which is called the Quill Platform. And, and technology, you know, is something that can help companies scale because even the biggest publishers in the world can't work off spreadsheets and, and Google documents to be able to brief content out in a, a quick and dynamic way and then also help that content production workflow. So that is really challenging. Otherwise, you're increasing incredible amount of time and incredible amount of admin and mistakes are going to happen. So we've built technology to help scale our service and content marketing for our clients. And, yeah. and we think some form of technology, whether that is helping manage the content production workflow or help measure performance of, of the content or dynamically getting content out straight onto your site using, using technology like an API. That's why technology helps you scale, but technology will never replace content creation, mm. content production. That, you know, that needs people, talent, people with talent and expertise around a specific topic and area, um, native writers, that, you know, whether they come from Condé Nast Traveller or the Financial Times or they're luxury photographers that worked with brands like Burberry, you know, you need the specialist, the, the specialist people to help produce quality content, but the scale is then supported by that technology. So that hybrid is, is, is really important. Lisa, the phrase publisher, I mean, for me, tends to invoke sort of images of magazines. Do brands need to be producing magazines to be successful publishers or... Or the online channels the key? I don't think they have to be producing magazines. I think it's about I think it's about getting the right strategy in place to identify where your 
where your audience and where your target customers are engaging online or offline. And I think online, it's great that you can be able to get real-time response to, to, to content and you can test that. So whether that's in social or whether that's um, on publisher sites or whether that is um, on your own site or an email. It just allows for different, you, you can test different formats quite quickly and see what resonates best. So I, I wouldn't create a magazine for the sake of it. But then at the same time, people like ASOS have been very successful with their magazines, whether that's a tablet magazine or that's a magazine that comes through through the letterbox. Mm. So I think it's about creating the right content and the right format for the right channel, but identifying first and foremost where that audience is and if that channel is the right channel for, for the brand. I don't think you should have a social, I don't think you should have a Facebook page for the sake of it if your audience aren't going to be engaging within within Facebook, say, but they do engage on LinkedIn, then make sure you have a strategy around LinkedIn. Definitely don't think that you need to do Facebook because, it's, because there's a fad around it. Mm. Do you feel that there's a challenge for brands as they become publishers to sort of continue producing content that's targeted and relevant? I mean, is there a, a temptation to produce content on anything and everything for content's sake, just, you know, in order to get the accolade publisher? Oh, absolutely. And that's why the strategy is key, because it's not about creating content for the sake of it. Otherwise, it's just noise, and you'll just turn your audience off. If you create a great strategy, and strategy, a part of strategy should be putting a plan in place that allows you to test and refine your approach. When we create a strategy, you know, it allows us to make sure we're creating content that has an objective and that will resonate with the audience. We, we work with our clients around understanding what content they currently have in each of their channels, who their audience is, what are those, what are those objectives for them, what's the effectiveness of their current content, and looking at the data behind it to see really what content is matched to which audience. Are we serving the needs of the different audiences? What are the gaps? What are competitors? And, and, and what's the best practice around this? And then just once we do all of that digging, you know, interviewing internal stakeholders, we do all of that digging to help us then pull together a really strong plan that helps us pull together these recommendations. And then we do the creative work and the creative thinking. And once we get that content out, again, it's about getting results and looking at the data to see how people are responding. And content promotion has been really helpful to help us test in close to real time how that strategy is working in practice. Mm. Because we use platforms like Outbrain and Zula uh, that can help us place a video or a how-to article, let's say, onto a relevant publisher site, someone like the, the Daily Telegraph or the Daily Mail. And then we can see that to see, okay, is this driving engagement? Is this driving actually a conversion back to the brand? And then we can look back at the strategy and go, okay, let's tweak here and, and here. And that will then tweak the plan again through it. It really emphasises the importance of strategy, doesn't it? It does. So in your opinion, Lisa, which brands are leading, you know, leading the charge and becoming publishers? I think the outliers here a couple of years ago were ASOS and Les Porter. I mean, they've done an incredible job from from a retail perspective to, you know, they're, they're publisher sites. They're fantastic. They've got a fantastic magazine mm. and they're producing 
you know, daily, engaging, topical, newsworthy celebrity content, which is really relevant for their target audience, then Meta Porter launched Mr. Porter, and, and it's incredibly inspiring for that target audience and, and that male fashion lover. Um, but other brands like Red Bull, you know, Red Bull, uh, Red Bull that have a website that barely has their, anything to do with their product or their site on it is just filled with content. Um, and, you know, those types of brands have really been leading the way. But actually also I would even, I would even you know, I'd take my hat off the brands like Corrie, where they really frame themselves for, for the customer. You go to their site and actually, you know, they really help you know, okay, this product is right for me. This tells me everything about the product. It tells me the customer reviews. It tells me the returns policy. I can see it in different shapes and sizes. And actually, I just don't have to go anywhere else because you've answered all my questions around that product. So um, I, I think that it's about making sure that these brands are really framing the sale and telling a story. Ultimately, Lisa, who do you think is going to win out in content marketing? I mean, is it the agencies or in-house teams? Are publishers themselves in the running? Win out? God, I'd like Quill to be the winners. Um, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think that, um, I think the brilliant thing about this market and the brilliant thing about content marketing is there's not one correct approach. Even the publishers, they do everything differently themselves. Some people will have a fantastic uh, network of writers and content creators, videographers, designers, but actually what they struggle with in-house is this editorial capacity and, and making sure that everything they produce is in their tone of voice. You could have something the other way around. You might have actually fantastic heads of content and editorial teams in-house, but actually they don't want to manage it. Uh, a network of, of writers and they don't want to source these people. So I, I, I don't think there's one correct approach. I think it's about finding the right approach for that business. Sometimes people want to outsource everything to a business like ourselves or they might just want the technology. And part of what we're doing is we're licensing our field platform to third parties on a white label basis. We're actually, they might just want their own universe and their own world, but they just might really need that support around that technology to help them scale. Mm. So there's not a one-size-fits-all, and I think there's going to be many winners, not just Quill. Well, Lisa, thanks so much. That's some really interesting insights there into sort of content marketing and the challenges that brands face as they start to become publishers. Thank you so much. How can people find Quill and find you? Well, thanks, Andy, for asking me to join the show. So people can find us at quillcontent.com, which is our website, mm -hmm. or our Twitter page, at quill underscore content. Or please feel free to get in touch with me via either of those means. I'm happy to answer any questions or chat to any potential clients. And, uh, yeah, great. Thanks so much again. Lisa Mandel, Business Director at Quill. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to see us on the website, it's sitevisibility.com slash podcast. We're also on iTunes and we love reviews. That'd be fantastic. If you want to email us, podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. If you want to call us and leave a question or a suggestion or a comment, then it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. And that's it from me, Andy White. And it's goodbye also from... Me, Lisa. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 